Just that one I give in here. You ready? Good morning, church. Very good. Lovely to see you this morning. How good it is to be in the house of the Lord together. Ah, uh, bless God. I, um, I don't have to dash off today. I came up for racing at Winton and uh, they had two categories pull out. So they condensed a two-day event into a one-day event. So I'm yours. I have something on my heart. I believe it's from God for you. So I want just to prepare us all with a word of prayer. Please join in in that prayer. With a cry from your heart, God, I need to hear from you today. I need your word in my life. I need your instruction. I need your life to breathe through me. Let's pray. Father, we pause. We know we can enjoy family. We know we can have fun together. We know, Lord, that uh, there's a place for us to fellowship and to do what we do as far as family goes to express the love and the friendship that there is amongst us but we're also very respectful of the fact that we are in your presence today and you are here amongst us. And our hearts are open to receive from you words of life because, Lord, we've not made it yet and there's things that you want to instruct us there's things you want to tear off and break off of us. There's visions and dreams that you want us to capture. There's purpose in what you have for us here today. So we want to steady our hearts and say, Lord, speak into our world today. In Jesus' name. Psalm 144 verse 1 says this. That the Lord will train my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Now, I don't want you to go walking around as Kung Fu specialists with hands of war. That's, that's, not, that's not really what I'm trying to preach or say to you this morning. But what I want to speak into your world this morning is that there is a war going on and that war is taking place between good and evil. And we live in an environment where we see the manifestation of evil but at the same time we know the mandate of God's calling upon our life and we sang it this morning, you are good. And we want to be carriers of good. We want to do good to others. You know when you're in a special place, when the title you put on your message is sung in the first song. 
Mm. I went over to pastor and I said, that's my message title. You do impossible things. Wow. God, we need your impossible in us to do good in our community. We need, Lord, more of you and less of me so that what I put my hand to do is bathed in your anointing. It's got that empowerment that equips or speaks or puts a hope into another's heart to hold fast where they are at. That mandate, that purpose, that call, it's something which God is calling us all to. And I feel in my heart that this morning in this house, God is about to do something of a fresh move and momentum of direction for there is a season when God does other things to prepare us and ready us, but there's a season where the door now opens and God calls us to step through. And I want to share what's on my heart. But in doing so, not to have you sit in a position of, well, yes or no, but to come and say, God, we need this for our community. I'm putting my best foot forward to walk through the door of opportunity that you are opening before us. I want to see, Lord, your hand evident in our community. I want our community to know that you are good. Oh, yes, you are good. I want my community to know that you do impossible things. Um, if you go to Romans chapter 12, verse 3, a passage there says that God has given to every one of us a measure of faith. A measure. Now, in John it says if you have faith even the size of a mustard seed, that's pretty small, then you will say to this mountain, you be thou removed and be cast into this, and it will do so, as you say. In Matthew 21 and verse 22, it speaks that from John's expression also. And, and it declares that if you have faith, you will say to this mountain, be moved. Now, I'm convinced that God doesn't want us moving mountains around the world. But I'm also convinced that God is speaking to us and saying, there are mountainous things in people's lives that must be moved in Jesus' name. The fact that God has given to every one of us a measure of faith. I don't know how many times I've struggled with the question in the scriptures that says, will I find faith when I return to the earth? And I've made a deliberate stance in my life to say, yes, God, you will, because I'm going to believe 
and I'm going to keep on believing. I'm going to keep on hoping. I'm going to keep on praying. And irrespective of what results I see, I will consistently walk in a way that lends the light to people's lives for them to also see. Amen? A lot of us are caught up in Western culture which says, try it, if it doesn't work, don't do it. Unfortunately, when we bring that to the scriptures, we also, in the culture we've grown up in, apply that as well. And especially in an environment which is so judgmental and quick to point the finger and to be demonstrative on people for having a go. And so a lot of us have chosen to Oh, I'll just sit back a little bit. I want everyone pointing their pointy finger in my face and giving me a hard time. But I'm persuaded that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what I could have ever asked or thought. And I don't believe that God has made a mistake when he's called you together as a people. I don't believe that God has made a mistake when he has declared, I've called you by name. I don't believe that God has made a mistake when he's gathered us and he says, I have anointed you. And I have appointed you, John 15 and verse 16. And you will prepare and bring forth fruit. And that fruit will remain. And whatever you need, ask the Father in Jesus' name. He will give it to you. This measure of faith that Romans 12.3 talks about, that is enough for what we need to do in this city of Benalla and the surrounding communities that are here. Because my God, your God, is more than enough. Can you say it with me? He is more than enough. I want you to close your eyes just where you are in your seat, and I want you now to make a declaration of God, you are more than enough. I think of my city and the problems that we have in this community, but Lord, you are more than enough. God, I look at my frailty, I look at my insufficiencies, I look at my mistakes, I look at how I don't feel competent to do, but you've called me and you in me is more than enough. Can you say amen? I believe with all of my heart that God's gathering his people We look at people 
like they did in the time of David, and they want to find the biggest, strongest of all. But God went out to the back paddock and found a little shepherd boy looking after a bunch of sheep for his dad. God did not look at the outward appearance. He looked at the heart. No wonder Proverbs says then, guard your heart, keep it protected at all times. There's a thief that wants to come and rob and steal and destroy. He wants to remove your confidence. He wants to remove your hope. He wants to tell you that Romans 12.3 is not real. You did not get the faith that you need to get the job done. But my God is more. He's more. He's more than enough. You've got the accusive finger of the devil poking you in the face, prodding you about your growing up years, prodding you about your faults and your failings, prodding you about how you could never be a, cho a chosen one of God, prodding you about all the different aspects of uh, what has been the gremlins in your life, the uh, idiosyncrasies that seem to have caused you to trip over and fall and fail, and he wants to keep reminding you of that in a persistent beration of just belting you and belting you and belting you. But somewhere in all of that, I like the way that the scripture says it. I must decrease and he must increase. Because he in you, the increase of him in you is more than enough. God, you do impossible things. You started here with me. You did something which I thought was not possible. You made me a child of God. I'm blessed. And I choose now to stand, proclaim and declare this is the day that the Lord has made. And I'm going to lift my head towards heaven. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad in it. I love what Matt said. We're not here to grandeur our own selves. We're here to raise the glory and the grandeur of the King of kings and the Lord of lords of hosts, the champion of our lives, and to run the race that's been put before us. Aiming for first place. You know, God has given you a measure of faith. The word measure intimidates us to being small. But when you apply a God who is more than enough, the measure you need is more than enough. Your circumstances where you are right now is more than enough. I would like for you to join me in a declaration here today to say, my God is more than enough. So that whatever circumstances you are facing right now, whatever the enemy is screaming at you, 
You overcome him according to revelations by the blood of the Lamb, I'm saved, and the word of my testimony, which declares my God is more than enough. You've got circumstances that want right now to prod its finger in your face and declare that you ain't going to make it, but something inside of you needs to be infuriated with the devil's intention to try and bring undone what God said he would have us do. And we need to proclaim that word that says, God is more than enough. Faith that you need. The measure that he's given. Many people here would even have a query about whether or not he gave me a measure. I want you to come on, start to declare, no, God gave me a measure of faith. And it's more than enough. You know, I have the privilege of being a chaplain to motorsport. It's not bad when you're in church and everyone around you is of a similar vein of heart. It's quite a good environment to be encouraged in, wouldn't you say? Because at least they're batting on your side and they're all for you. When you go out to a motorsport place, I used to wear a hat that had a, the word chaplain across the front of it. But they would see you coming. So I used to turn the hat around. So he's a nice bloke. Who is that? The chaplain. But you know, I've got to be honest and say religion has burnt a lot of people. I meet people who I build friendships with and they say, we used to go to church, but... And they tell me some of the things that have happened and I hang my head a bit and say, oh my God. How wrong. And they misrepresented you. And now they can't find you because somebody did the wrong thing with a bad agenda and brought shame to you. You've got friends exactly the same. But I've got news for you. And that good news is that the God in you who is more than enough, he beckons us to take a step forward. Come on. Come with me. I like the way that Jesus reaffirmed Peter in John 21. Peter, do you agape me? Oh, Lord, you know I filio love you. Now, Peter, I asked you, do you agape love me? Poor Peter. He was the one who just denied him. And he couldn't hold his head up high in any way, shape or form and say, I agape love you, my saviour. And he responded with, Lord, you know that I filio love you. 
And the third time Jesus said to him, Simon Peter, do you feel you love me? Yes, Lord, I do. I feel you love you. Feed my sheep. Now in church, we've got the idea that in church are sheep and outside are goats. That is a poor doctrine. Because from what I understand, Jesus paid the price for all. That none should perish. But that all should have eternal life. So if we look outside as goats, then the natural desire to create separation kicks in. I don't want separation. I want where Jesus is in the marketplace and he's beckoning them all. Come on. Come on in. There's room at the table for us all. So, when you go into the marketplace, I know people who go into the marketplace and some wear alfoil under a hat to try and protect themselves from the evil that's out there. Hang on, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. What's tinfoil got to do with it? So I walk into the marketplace. I love the expression in Proverbs that says, to be as bold as a lion, but to be as gentle as a dove. <laughs> I like to walk boldly into places. I like to then gently reveal the love and the grace and the mercy of the almighty God. I want to tell you a story. First slide. Bloke by the name of Robbie Gordon. He races this car. Number 17. We were racing at Premier Speedway down in Warrnambool. Robbie came out of turn three. Into turn four, he's doing in excess of 130, 140 kilometres per hour. Came up upon a back marker and decided to try and run wide or run high and overtake him on the high side. And as he went out to try, the car in front began to drift up as well. He was committed to try and go for it. He couldn't back out now. So Robbie's front left-hand wheel, that side one, rode the rear right-hand wheel of the car in front. As you can imagine, the wheel's spinning this way. So the moment contact happens, throws the front of the car up. Robbie's car climbed as high as the top of the cat's fence, which is around about nine, ten metres tall. Hit the cat's fence, so we're doing 130 kilometres per hour, suddenly thrown up in the air, 
touches the cat's fence, the car turns over backwards and it buries the rear of the car into the mud and stops absolutely dead. You could hear the place go quiet because the impact was so sudden, so violently sudden that you knew it was not going to be good. The emergency crew got out to the car, the ambulance came over to the car, the commentaries on the radio for the PA saying to everybody, this is a big accident, folks, please stay away from the area. They began to break out blue tarps. Blue tarps are usually fatality. Oh, my heart. Because this is my turf. This is where I do my chaplaincy. I'm not going to have a thief come and take one of my people. I don't see him as a goat. I see him as a child of God. He just doesn't know it yet. I came to the fence. Call comes over the radio. Chaplain, can you come out to the scene? You try to walk over there like it's no big deal because you don't want panic because panic then panics people and then so you've got to try and walk over there behind the blue tarp. Robbie's out cold. They don't know whether to extract him because they can't ask him, where is it hurting? I'm behind the blue tarp now. We've managed to take his helmet off. He is breathing very shallow, very shallow, concerningly shallow. The medical team, they want to try and start doing things. Everyone's paused because we can't extricate the guy from the car because if he's got a broken back, we begin to, and we can't hear him cry for pain, we could be doing more damage than what we, by trying to extricate him, so we have to wait. I got down in the mud on my knees, next to this car on its side, holding Robbie's head in my hand. I said, come on guys, we've got to pray. I don't know how many of those guys have any Christian faith at all. But I just said, God, we need your help and mercy. Robbie's injured. We want to help him. We don't know what to do. We need your wisdom. We need how to do this. But God, please, be with Robbie right now. While he's in my hand, he came to. Oh, oh, what is it, Robbie? He says, my back. Oh. Stay still, Robbie, stay still, stay still. We're going we're gonna to try and extricate you. I step back and these guys just, they're amazing. We get the crane truck out and we have to tip the car slowly onto where we're suspending the car from the front. 
in order to be able to get a backboard in behind him and then slowly slide Robbie back onto the backboard. It took us nearly 40 minutes to get him extricated from the car. We ended up getting the car builder to come out and to show us how to separate the driver's, what they call a containment seat, so we could get Robbie out of the car. We finally got Robbie out of that race car. They'd given him something to try and ease the pain so that he stopped his cries of agony and he would often pass out again from the pain. An hour and a quarter, we finally extricated Robbie from the car. We had a chopper land in the middle of the speedway, ready to airlift him to Melbourne. The paramedic and the pilot from the chopper came over. Our paramedics did a handover to, to, to them. They put Robbie into the chopper. And the guy who's the MC who walks around with the microphone, he says, I'm just standing there, is his name. Uh, he says, is it, is it, I'm just standing next to Chaplain. I think it would be good if we just had a word of prayer for Robbie. And here in the centre of this racetrack, I get the privilege of saying, Father, there's not one person here that wants to see Robbie's injuries and his life. Wherever our backgrounds are from, one thing we want to do is ask God, please, be with Robbie. We don't know what he needs. We don't know how to pray. But one thing we do know, we can put him into your safe hands. Be with the paramedics. Give them wisdom, what to do, how to do. Lord, we want to see our friend back at the racetrack again. The chopper airlifted, dispatched. I got in my car straight away and started heading for Melbourne. It took me, I won't tell you how long it took me because I went a little bit fast. <laughs> I got to the Alfred. The Alfred had roaded him straight over to Austin Hospital, which is a specialist hospital for back injuries. I got to Austin Hospital. <coughs> And they already had Robbie in operation, in, in having an operation. They put two rods and 39 screws in his neck. He broke C, two, three, four, five. That's, that's all your neck runs here. Then he broke middle of the back, two, T2, T3, five, seven, eight, and nine. And he broke his coccyx bone. The doctors are doing the operation saying he won't survive. He won't survive. And I'm holding the hands of the family. And uh, while we're holding the hands of the family, we're praying, God, God, 
with me, it's not possible. With us as a family, it's not possible. With, with doctors, it may not be possible. But God, with you, all things are possible. You do impossible things. They brought Robbie out of 13 hours of operation. They didn't do any of the lower back because they said, um, if we can just get the guy to live from the upper back surgery, that would, be, that would be good. The diagnosis was that he will be a paraplegic from nose down. He will never walk. He'll never talk. Never be able to breathe on his own. His brain is functional. To what degree, we don't know yet. But he's going to be a vegetable for his life. When medical people tell you things, that's the best of their knowledge. But I've got something inside of me is that my God is more than enough. My faith is more than enough. My faith is more than enough because God gave me a measure of faith. And that is more than enough. They gave Robbie 24 hours to live. Called the family in, standing in ICU. And we had, uh, we had, all, these, uh, had all these cables and stuff coming in and out of Robbie. It was almost hard to get near him because of the amount of medical equipment that was going in and out of him. Respirators, breathing for him. They uh, had trouble with the mouth. They had to do a trachea. Trachea uh, in the through the throat, and, and so they are breathing in, bringing it in through the throat. We were there for 24 hours, and Robbie survived 24 hours. When you pass the 24-hour window, even though there's an argument going on in your head that the doctor said 24, you say yes. God, you are more than enough. Day three, Robbie regained consciousness. He could move his eyes. He could look at you. Doctors were quite amazed. I had taken oil with me and Robbie's, Robbie's partner, we'd, we'd anointed him together. We'd prayed, God, with you all things are possible. You are the God who does the impossible. You do impossible things Robbie began to uh, communicate via his eyes Robbie can you hear me blink once if you can hear me twice if you can't what a dumb thing to tell him if he can't hear you won't blink at all so <laughs> twice if you can't he blinked Robbie, are you in pain at the moment? Yes, he is. We'll try and we'll up the measure of pain relief. 
Robbie, you got through the first week. The doctors are amazed. They're coming in and saying, you're our miracle boy. And Robbie's going, yes, I am. This happened on the 1st of January, 2015. We've just passed two years. I want to speed the story up a little bit for you. Robbie got so well, they took the trachea out. They got him back to pulling all the intravenous things out that was feeding him. He started to take food in orally. That's impossible for a person who's paralyzed from here down. So they decided, we've done all that we can do. They did another back operation for the lower part of the back. We've done all that we can do. Now we have to get you into a rehab. Here's a shot of Robbie in rehab. <laughs> get well soon, Robbie Gordon. We put that on the roof above his bed and we let him read all the words from all the different motorsport people clubs, teams that have written him a message of hope. I took it to church with me on Sunday and I got my church folks to write messages for Robbie. And I mixed amongst all the messages, here's Robbie in a wheelchair. At this stage, he can't move left or right hand. He can eat. The neck is braces still holding his head up. He hasn't got the ability to sustain his head. But Robbie started rehab and all of a sudden he had movement in his left fingers. Robbie, is that you or is that just a nerve? He says, that's me. Next shot, Robbie and his family. That's his partner, Nat, on the right. His brother on the left, who was honeymooning, did I say that right? Honeymooning in New Zealand when the accident happened. That's his wife next. That's mum at the back. That's dad at the back. And that's two of his best mates who were mechanics on the car. And Robbie started getting better. With the rehab, they began to get movement happening. And... Uh, his left arm began to get better and, and get strength in, and, and Robbie's a fighter. He, he, he's not going to let anyone tell him what he can't do. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Next shot. He gave his girl a promise. He said, babe, I will dance for you at, at, at your birthday. And in August of last year, Robbie stood up and danced with his girl. The anniversary this year, January the 2nd, 2017, I asked Robbie, Robbie, come to church with me. This shot, Robbie at church. He said an incredible statement. He said this, 
I broke my back, but I'm not broken. Wow. So here's Robbie. That stick the day before, he said, Mark, he said, guess what? He said, I, I walked 900 metres down to the local cafe. And he said, down the local cafe, we had a coffee together. Then halfway home, he said, I said to, to Nat, I said, hey, babe, I'm, I'm getting tired. You better give me my walking stick. And he walked home the last 450 metres. He's got 70% in his left arm. He's got 50% in his left leg. He's got 20% in his right leg, and that's why you see him uh, working more towards staying on his left leg than his right leg, and his right arm has got nothing, so it's still tucked in his pocket. But I'm believing God for a total miracle. They said to Robbie, Robbie, even though you get some things back, it ain't all going to work. You're going to have to go into a, a, a cholesterol bag. You're going to have to have um, a catheter at all times. Can you see the, those there? In that photograph, you see Nat's got a little bump. <laughs> In March this year, Robbie and Nat became mum and dad. Church, I would love to see the miraculous do things just like that. But I want to encourage you this morning that whether it's just like that or whether it's not just like that, I have a what I call a DLT group, Doing Life Together group, in Robbie and Nat's house. And it's like a life group. I, I have annually what we call a chaplain shout. I, I shout my motorsport fair. All that want to come, I shout them. Cost me a heap last year. <laughs> but I said, hey, I, I love these get-togethers. Who, who loves these? And everyone puts their hand up. I said, well, wh why don't we do like a, a life group? You know, why, why don't we get together more frequently because... We all got stuff happening and it would be a great way to encourage each other. My daughter's a pastor as well and she's gobsmacked. She's saying, Dad, I'm at my people at church saying, come on, get into life groups. And I can't get them into life groups. You're in a non-Christian setting with non-Christians saying, come into DLT and everyone comes. And we talk about God's mercy love and grace we hear testimony so I was telling the boss a testimony this morning one of our guys a paramedic had a burst aorta 6% chance of living that happened middle of last year God is doing a marvellous miracle in that guy's life just, just uh, two months ago uh, he came back from holidays and Ambulance Victoria said, we're not getting rid of you, you've still got your job. But because he had a number of strokes, because the blood wasn't travelling around his body, 
And they're saying, and he knows it, being a medical person, and his wife, who's a triage nurse, who knows what ER is all about, she says, he can't get better, he can't get better. I'm saying, your best days are ahead of you. Your best days are ahead of you. He's at DLT, crying and saying, my career's gone, everything's wrecked, life's hopeless. And I've got non-Christians there, sitting there, in his face saying, your best days are ahead of you, your best days are ahead of you, your best days are ahead of you. They've got a hope that somehow Chaplin's going to get God to bring this through. Wow. And in DLT, we heard just last weekend, last Tuesday, where he sat down and told us, guys, you won't believe this. The eye specialist, I forget his title, has just said that the strokes have not caused sufficient blur in my peripheral vision and I can get my licence back. I start work next week (laughs) back on two days a week as a paramedic you might have hopes and dreams that the devil says I'm going to crush them but there's something inside of you where God says I've given you all the faith that you need to get the job done and I will be to you more than enough now you've got people around you who, now that we've established that we are the sons and the daughters of the Most High God, you've got friends around you that we need to lift our eyes to and look to their circumstances and begin to speak into their life and give them a sense of hope and purpose in God. We had a car catch fire at Phillip Island at Turn 9. He drove from Turn 9, which is what's called Hayshed or... um, and he's gone from the hay shed around through uh, turn 10, 11, 12, front straight, turn 1, southern loop, turn 2, 3, and at Honda, turn 4, he's finally realised this fibreglass car is on fire. The fire truck intercepts him, comes onto the track towards him, and the fireys begin to try and douse this fibreglass car, but the fibreglass is so hot now, as they're trying to open the door, it's melting in their hands and they can't extract this guy from the car. The heat and the fire in the car has burnt his eyebrows, his eyes. It's burnt through all the area that wasn't protected with the fireproof suit. It's burnt the point of his nose, it's burnt his lips. The doctor said he had hours to live. He's still going. Miraculously, with no eyelids, his eyes have not been burnt. Come on, church. God wants to prove himself strong on our behalf in the marketplace. And I tell you, if we spend our time on our issues, we will exhaust what God has created as far as opportunities for you to do inside your marketplace. Let's settle the issue as far as I go. I'm a child of God. I've got God's favour on my life and he calls me to be light into darkness 
and flavour and put salt into a saltless situation. And because of that, we're hearing and seeing phenomenal things happening. This driver, uh, the guy who's burnt Kirk, he is, uh, he's now walking. He's uh, got all of his uh, burns on his hands and fingers, which they literally burnt through the glove wear. They're, they're all being repaired, and, and even though the skin's still very uh, heightened in its, uh, da- in its damage, um, it, it's recovering. The doctor can't believe it. He has grown an eyelid back. He had eyelashes grow out on his left eye. And I'm saying, God, what about his right eye? He looks funny. He's only got one lip and one eye. (laughs) I'm a believer that our focus into our marketplace is where God's calling our attention to. And if we will be content with the fact that if you have a need, ask the Father in Jesus' name, he'll give it you. Then get on with doing what we need to get on and do. Do the work of our King. Because there are people in the marketplace who are far worse off than us who need somebody to be able to say, I love you. I want to make a difference in your world. Who's encouraged? I want to pray for people here this morning. I want to pray for people who need healing. I don't want the emphasis to be lost that healing here is for you. I want people to be healed so that they can be healers in the marketplace. I want us to be strengthened and encouraged here in the house so that we can be his hands extended to the community around about us. Because there are people in our marketplace. There are some people here who you you, you need to ask God, God, please anoint my eyes with eye salve. Romans, sorry, Revelation 3. Anoint my eyes so that I can see things like I've never seen before. I want to invite people to come to the altar and meet with God as it were to be greeted by God at the door of opportunity to say, come on in child. I want you in. I need your help. I need you to be my love, my hands, my feet, my arms, my words, my hope, my love, my grace to a community that needs God's love, mercy and grace. Would you please stand with me this this morning? Oh, precious Father. That story of Robbie. I've just met a lady who is one of my pastor friends. It's it's her daughter. She is into a rehabilitation program called McKenzie. The McKenzie Treatment. She's had phenomenal results with people who have had restricted movement 
or other issues. Robbie has done one visit to her and she's already improved his right leg from 20% to 35%. I'm believing God for Robbie to be totally healed. How many people will say, Mark, I'll join with you on that one? And I know your sincerity of your heart. But you've got an enemy that's trying to scream at you, saying, you can't do this. You've got a God in heaven who's looking at you and saying, my child, I'm more than enough. I'd like people to come to the altar here today. And your desire to come is for this purpose alone, God. You are more than enough. And I want to submit myself into your more than enough ways for those who are around me. I've got friends who I can call to name. I've got loved ones who I can call to name. I've got people in my workplace who I can call to name. I've got who need. God, I want to present myself here ready for you. Would you make your way If the Lord is speaking to you and challenging you, will you make your way out of your chair and just come to this altar? We're going to stand before God. I want to pray in just a moment. Come on, make your way now. Don't delay. Don't be ashamed. Don't be troubled. Don't be worried. I believe this is going to be one of those eras where God takes us ordinary people And he puts us into the marketplace. If you need healing in your body, I want to pray with you this morning. I'd love you just to come out of your chair. If you've got family that you want to stand in for, I want to stand in for and I want to believe for my mother or my son or my... I want you to come to the altar here today because my God is more than enough for what we need in our lives. I wonder if those who are remaining would just come join the back of us. Would you put your hands onto those that are here at the altar? We're going to pray a prayer of God's blessing, mercy and grace upon those who've come for prayer. Hey team, why don't I call you to come join us? All right, come stand with us. So we do this as an act of togetherness for our community's sake, for our... For our, for our God's sake. Matthew 21, verse 22. Look at me, please. says this. Whatsoever things you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. All right? Whatsoever things you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. goes on to say this. When you pray, believe. And it's yours. So we're going to believe from the moment that we pray. Now, whether you feel different, whether you shake, cry, I don't care, honestly. It's not a thing that happens emotionally. It's a switch that happens in the heavenly that says, I believe. I missed the step. (laughs) I believe. I believe, I choose to put my hand up for this community and say, God, 
I raise my hand in, in Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple and the angels cried, Holy. And it goes on to say that they heard God say, Who can we send? Who will go for us? To which the writer says, Here I am. Send me. Send me. I wonder if we could join our hands together. I wonder if you're standing behind someone you can't join hands. Put your, <clears throat> put your hands on the back of the person in front of you. This is about, God, I'm positioning myself to go from this house with an expectation that even though I won't necessarily have all the answers, I've got you and you are more than enough. And God, I'm going to practice praying for people and if we don't see what I want to see straight away, I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm just going to keep on hanging on because as I keep on pushing in and the Bible says if you knock and keep on knocking, that door's going to open. If you keep and keep on seeking, you will find if you ask, keep asking. You will get what it is that you have asked for. We're all grown-ups here. We're all children of the Most High God. Nobody's better than anyone else. We're all in the same fabric. God, we need you. We need you. I, as a preacher, know better than you. I, I learn lessons, you learn lessons. We help each other. But we want to be God's hands extended to this community in Jesus' name. Would you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, come to you today. I love your kingdom. I love you, our King. I love you, Father. I love you, Son. I love you, Holy Spirit. I'm on this planet as a partner to the kingdom of God. You called me you anointed me, you called me fruit bearer, and whatever I need, I have to ask in Jesus' name, and it will be given me. Father, I need today your hand upon me. You've given me faith, it's more than enough. Now touch my eyes to see people differently. Touch my mouth to be able to speak a word in season. Touch my heart with your mercy and grace to stand in the gap and to see your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this house. I thank you for the attachment that my heart has to this house. 